On our panel today, Anne Edwards, veteran journalist and also KK Tan, independent analyst on local and global issues. Let's do a little recap of what happened last weekend. All this started after the Pakatan Harapan Presidential Council meeting last Friday and everyone agreed during the press conference that Tun M will step down after APEC in November with Datuk Sri Anwar as his successor as promised. But it will be on a date at which Tun M will decide. Everything changed over the last weekend. Different parties meet audience with the king and eventually the PM's resignation. But the question is, what prompted this coup? And there is reason to believe that it started from a plan to realign Malaysia's political structure. So we're looking at it backfiring. It backfired because Prime Minister Tun Dr. Mahathir Mohamad, he backed away at the last minute over a move by his people to include AMNO in the coalition. A political analyst also, I'd like to quote, said that the AMNO guys insisted that for joining the coup, they wanted criminal charges against them dropped and the deputy PM post to be given to them. And because of this, Mahade balked at this, saying he would not accept, repeat, would not accept the very crooks that he fought being in his government. This last one week, mm. amazing number of fake news. Now, I qualify what is fake news, okay? When you predict, or when you speculate, that's not fake news. You say that or you, you heard Okay, or there's rumours. It's okay you say that, you know, it's, that's not fake news. Fake news is when you use outright lies and say these are facts. Yeah, like they quoted the numbers, the exact number, mm. how many MPs supporting this, and they quoted some lies that the, the, the Agong is very agreed, so and so is going to be the PM. So I think it's important to qualify and say this is just a guess or whatever. Then it's not a fake news. Mm. It's okay to do that. But I have seen, I've never seen in my life so much of... What was that one fake news that you thought like, this is totally not true? The numbers and the people that's nominated. Now, going back to this issue again, uh, I think it's a lot more complicated. We are now again speculating now. What is the real reason why Dr. M did what he did? Tun M sent his resignation letter to the king on Monday. And then everyone, the whole world just erupted like, this is shocking, what happened? You know, with everything that has been agreed during the Pakatan Harapan uh, Presidential Council meeting, why did he feel like he had to resign at this point in time and not only as PM, but also as Bersatu chairman at the time as well? KK, do you want to... This is something which I think everyone can agree is unprecedented. We have never reached this stage before. And I think it's because if you look at the root cause of it, it's a convenient alliance earlier on of diverse friends and enemies. And it wasn't really, really trashed out properly, like the understanding. Like I say, at that time, they just wanted to get rid of an energy government. So everything else was left aside, you know. So it came up with a very general manifesto. To me, it's not... Well, some of it are good, but generally is quite normal and I think that's fantastic. So I think they also said themselves they didn't expect to win. So that's why they didn't bother too much for the manifesto. That was one of the excuses given by some of the PH people why they didn't actually implement those things. Now, and what does it mean now that he is back as chairman of Pasatu and interim prime minister? I mean, are we back at status quo? What, what does it mean now? Okay, whatever his role, I think we need to understand that whatever tone Dr. Mahade's role right now, which uh, initially began with an attempt to realign the parties, he is now free to 
appoint, uh, free to appoint whomever that he sees fit to serve in any future ministry. Now, this is important. Any future ministry that he may form. Notice how I'm using the word may and perhaps and because everything is so uh, indecisive. Right now, yeah, yeah speculative and indecisive right now. Anything can happen. You know, like you guys were saying, you know, it's like you, you don't really sleep even at night because you, you don't know what's going to yeah, happen yeah. and you, you yeah. need to broadcast that in the morning. Okay, so the membership of this future ministry is also one which will be truly telling on the way Dr. Mahade plans to take his future administration too if he is still around as the eighth prime minister. Now, whether Anwar Ibrahim will be a member of the ministry itself will also give an indication of Dr. Mahade's intentions in the first place. You know, so all this will unfold. But okay. there's another big question also though. This unity government that everyone's talking oh. about. Well, this next article actually says that analysts, they really laud unity government bit, but they really do doubt that we can handle, Malaysian politicians can handle a non-partisanship government. Okay, First okay. question, yeah. I think, what is a unity government? I think yeah. the idea needs to be tested. Uh, what is a unity government? What it is, is a yeah. government based on uniting the country for the good of the country. It's as simple as that. What Dr. M is suggesting, and I like, and I love the idea. We have to try something new. It's it's high time in this crisis you're facing now. I'm talking about economic crisis and perhaps a coronavirus crisis. We need to get our act together. We need to be united. There's too much time spent in fighting, okay, in politicking. A complete waste of time and energy. And I think that's one of the reasons why the government did not perform as well as it should. Uh, I think technically, if you use the term a uh, kerajaan perpaduan, and that was in his speech. Yeah. Okay, if you take just take those two words out, the words he used were actually pemerintahan yang tidak memihak kepada mana meaning that a non-partisan government. I think that is more accurate. So nevertheless, uh, the term unity government, as I would conceive, is that appears to be one that currently is the one that's dominating public discourse now, the term unity government. So under the unity government, um, you know, the appointment of ministers is the prerogative of the PM. So, in a unity government, both the opposition, independent bloc, Pakatan Harapan government, and that was before Dr. M resigned, can be appointed. Meaning, any member of parliament can be elected irrespective of their party. But how does what does this mean? Let's say we have a unity government and we have snap elections. Yeah. Does it mean every man for himself? Like, no. there's no parties? I think you need mm. to go we look at the trend. We vote for the candidate. You need to go for the trend. I, I wrote about it last year mm. that the trend in Malaysian politics is moving towards a situation where the two big coalition are breaking up. We are to an era where you're going to see a lot more realignment, smaller parties, very diverse, more independence, which is actually, from a democratic point of view, very good. More choices for the public. This news article just says that Tokyo Olympic uh, in July and August of 2020 will go on despite COVID-19 fears. Now, the question is, I mean, if the games are cancelled, what happens to Japan financially and economically? 1.35 trillion yen. Trillion! Trillion yen. Yeah, I think it's billions of dollars already. And yeah. it's 12.2 to be exact. 12.2 billion US dollars. Oh. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Huge Okay, yeah, that's the Tokyo Olympic Organizing Committee putting their official budget off the games at that amount. But the Board of Audit of Japan estimates the true cost including spending by local authorities and the central government is probably even more double that figure. <gasps> so huge, huge impact on Japan both financially, economically. You can only imagine but this will not be the first if it's cancelled for Japan. This will be not the first for Japan as the Olympics in 1940 as we all remember was supposed to be in Tokyo but were called off because of Japan's war with China then and the Second World War. Yeah, well that was war. 
Directly. I was warned. It was unavoidable. Yeah. Well, I think they are in a level two risky. now, which I think uh, requires them to act a bit more seriously than the three levels apparently. Anyway, I think this is the first time in history where the biggest sporting event in the world has been threatened by a epidemic outbreak. Mm. I can't think of any other time in history where the Olympic Games has this kind of scenario or dilemma. You are right to say that it would be quite unthinkable for them to cancel the games because they can't postpone they fo- it. Though. Yeah, they can't. I think yeah. what they are focusing on doing now is really I believe 90% of the time is on what you're coming out we're calling contingency planning how to reorganize the games in such a way that there's minimum of contacts with people Linus has been given the license to operate in Malaysia for another three years, apparently. Now, I remember YB, Yobiyin and other parliamentarians, they were pushing for Linus' license to be revoked. But suddenly, they've been given another three years. So, what happened here, KK? I think we understand this issue. We have to look back and look at the big picture. This is the whole concept of sustainable development. We started, of course, much earlier than Rio Summit. I was an advisor to the government on the, in the 19th 1992 June Rio Summit in Rio de Janeiro where our Prime Minister and all the heads of governments around the world attended. First time the whole world got together to discuss environment. This concept of what is actually business, sustainable business development, which was earlier talked about, you know. We have to understand that in any business, it's a very common, simple concept. There are the, the pros and the cons, the benefits versus the risks. I think what's really con- concerning a lot of NGOs and a lot of other people who have been fighting the, the renewal was the fact that it's a, wherever they're at it's actually more about the financial benefits to the country more so than yeah, it's a spin-off I totally agree with you JD I mean the fact that you have something which is of controversial like this and the government approves of it so obviously like KK said of course I mean it seems that there are more benefits than risk to begin with and the fact that you know they've extended the license to another three years but there are strict conditions to adhere to also the fact that uh, Linus is undertaking this whole whole new cracking facility which pre-processes the materials and this is happening in Western Australia before sending them to the Malaysian plant so that any radioactive waste generated will remain in its country of origin which is Australia. Australia. And to put it simply also Dr. M also did say that Malaysia could not force Linus Corp to leave Malaysia just because some people did not want to accept expert opinions on the safety aspects of the company's operations and also after having invited it to invest in the country. Interesting. So this has been a very heavy <laughs> front page moving from of heavy politics into heavy uh, controversial issues. But thank you very much to Anne Edwards, veteran journalist and KK Tan, independent analyst on local and global issues. Thanks so much, guys. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. Thank you. Good day.